Hello and welcome to Alpha Omega International. Once again, thank you for joining us for today's message. Matters of the heart. That's been our topic for the past several weeks as we've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And today we're actually coming to the end of chapter 5. And so let's just begin by reading what Jesus says from verse 43 to 48. And as we consider this overall topic, Matters of the Heart, we're going to speak specifically about loving our enemies. Here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. Matters of the heart. Jesus begins by saying these words, You have heard that it was said. Now here's what the teachers were teaching the people in Jesus' day. That you are to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now if you're trying to recall where in the Bible it says those two things, hopefully you've got trouble trying to figure it out. Because on the one hand, you shall love your neighbor. That's all throughout Scripture beginning way back in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. But the second part, you shall hate your enemy. There is no such law. There is no such command. There is no such teaching in all of Scripture. God has never commanded any of us that we should hate our enemies, or anyone for that matter. Sometimes when it comes to enemies in life, we really do have enemies. People who are against us, who oppose us because of our Christian faith. And for many other reasons, nation against nation, one people group against another people group, there are enemies in the world. But at the same time, I, I think that we also create animosity. We ourselves, we make enemies out of other people. The people in Jesus' day were taught to hate their enemies. And so, if you were a Jew living in Jerusalem and you thought, okay, well, if I'm supposed to hate my enemies, let's figure out who my enemies are first. Let's start with the Samaritans, those people that live just north of us. They're in the household of Israel, but their ancestors, they're a mixed population. They come from Gentile nations mixed in with the Jewish nations, so they're not really pure-blooded Jews like the rest of us are. They also don't worship like we do. They don't worship in Jerusalem like we do. Therefore, they're our enemies. And so, the Jews hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans felt likewise about the Jews. And it went beyond that. How about the Romans? What should we do about the Romans? This foreign government who has invaded our land, they declare laws over us, they, they kind of invade our own personal rights, they're brutal. They're vicious people. We don't want them ruling over us. This foreign government, how should we feel about them? Enemies. 
and we will hate them. And the Jews did hate the Romans. And what about all the Gentiles? What about everybody outside of Israel? They're not the household of Israel. They are not the children of God like the Jews felt that they were. So how should we feel about them? Pagan worshipers, idolaters, and all these other wicked men and women of the earth? Enemies, and we will hate them all. That was their frame of mind. The people were taught to hate their enemies. And everybody became their enemy. And they hated most people. And you know, it's no different than today. We still make enemies out of people that we disagree with. That we don't like something about them, we become enemies and we hate them. Just look at politics. I mean, I know it's probably always been bad, but it just seems worse than ever before. If you don't agree with one particular political party, you don't agree with their ideas or their philosophy or the, the foundations of what they believe, if you don't agree with it, gone are the days where you can just have a civil, respectful debate. No, if you disagree, then they hate you. And now you are enemies. One political party are the enemies of another and they hate each other. And it goes even beyond that. If there's a social movement like we have seen for the past year, Everybody wants to have another social movement. And if you are not a part of it, if you don't support it, if you don't declare these things on Instagram or social media, then you are the enemy and they hate you for not supporting them. And more than that, all over the world, especially right here in America where I'm speaking from, if you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask, these two kinds of people, they hate each other. If you get a vaccine, if you don't get a vaccine, these two people hate each other. We are always making enemies. And when we do, we learn to hate one another. Even within the Christian fellowship, you know, there are so many Christians that disagree with theological matters. And they debate. And it, go, and it goes beyond being respectful. It goes beyond just trying to share the truth with somebody else. It becomes hostile and it becomes filled with anger and bitterness and hatred. And before you know it, brothers and sisters in Christ are fighting each other because they have an, a disagreement with theology. And I always think, wouldn't you rather take all that energy and focus on going out to a lost world? and preaching the gospel for Jesus Christ, why don't you take that energy where you wanna fight your brothers and sisters in Christ, take that instead and be passionate to win the lost for Christ. But no, instead they'd rather fight one another. We make enemies and we learn to hate. Jesus says, but I say to you, you shall love your enemies. And so now as we focus on this topic now, loving your enemy, we're going to learn three things about what Jesus teaches here about love. Number one, how love is displayed. Number two, why love is demanded. And number three, where love is directed. Okay, so let's begin going over what Jesus said. We'll begin with number one, how love is displayed. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies, whether they are 
your enemy because they disagree with your Christian faith, or there's somebody that you have learned to hate because you disagree with them. Love your enemies. How? He says, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. The stresses and tribulations of life reveal what is truly in our hearts. When we are under pressure, whether it's from tribulations or any other hardships that we go through, when we're under pressure, that pressure reveals what is truly in the heart. And in these times, when it comes to dealing with our enemies of life, let the pressure and the stress and the tribulation, let it reveal good that's in your heart. Let it reveal good things, the best things, and not bad or evil. Let it reveal that you truly do have a changed heart, that the Holy Spirit has been forming in your life. How do we show love? Jesus says, first of all, bless those who curse you. This is talking about our words, our speaking. When they speak wrongfully and evil against you, don't return that evil. Refuse to speak evil about them. Don't lash out in anger. Instead, bless them. Speak good things. Speak encouraging things. Speak things that are uplifting and that are not combative against them. This is the word we use. We are to love with words by blessing one another. Number two, not just what we say, but what we do. Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. It's what we do. You know, the Bible teaches us that love is not just about saying. Love is not just words that we speak. Love is doing. And so the Bible commands us to show our love by our deeds. And so we want to do good even to those who hate us in return. Thirdly, we are to pray. He says, pray for those who use you and persecute you. Yes, pray. Pray for all enemies. Pray for all people. Pray for those who may be against you. And when you pray, pray earnestly for them. You know, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? We'd rather not pray. If somebody harms us or hurts us or speaks evil against us or does something evil against us, Sometimes we feel, well, I don't want to pray. I'd rather God just judge them. I'd rather have his heavy hand of correction come down on them, smack them down, shove them down, persecute them, discipline them, chastise them, whatever he wants to do. I'd rather see them suffer. So I'm not going to pray for them. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says we are to pray sincerely, earnestly for them, that God will bring healing even when it comes to our enemies, as vicious as they might be, we don't know much about them. We don't know why they are the way they are. And we know, we should know, that God can heal and deliver anyone. And so we should always be praying, especially for our enemies. You know, the Bible says that Jesus prayed. He prayed every day. I'm sure all throughout the day, but especially in the morning time. And we don't know of all those conversations Jesus had with the Father. Those hidden places where Jesus would get alone with his Father and speak to him. We don't know all of the prayers he made, but I can imagine he prayed often for his enemies. The Pharisees who often challenged him, the people who wanted to grab him and throw him off a cliff 
and stone him, all those that would reject him and mock him, even the ones who would spit in his face. He prayed for them. And so should we. Do you remember when Jesus was being crucified? As the soldiers, the enemies of Christ, were hammering those nails into his hands and feet, the very first words he spoke was a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for his enemies, so we should as well. Number one, how love is displayed? By blessing, by doing good, by praying for our enemies. Number two, why love is demanded. Jesus says, do these things, speak in this way, pray for your enemies, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Why do we love all people? Because God loves our all people. Why are we to love even our enemies? Because God also loves his enemies. And if you forget, just remember that according to Romans chapter 5, before you were saved, you were called an enemy of God, rebellious against him. We were enemies, and yet Christ came and died for us. Why? Because God loved us, even when we were enemies. And you know, Jonah, Jonah knew this about God. He knew it very well, that God loved all people. In the story of Jonah, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach that judgment was coming and they needed to repent. But Jonah knew something about Nineveh, and God did as well. But Jonah knew that this nation, they're growing, they're becoming powerful, they're wicked, and one day they will threaten the nation of Israel. And so Jonah did what most of us would probably do. Instead of praying for them and preaching the, 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 the message that God gave for them, instead of preaching repentance, he ran the other way. And we know the story that he was on a boat and Eventually, they tossed him off the boat. He was swallowed by a fish. But, you know, in that story, we learn it wasn't just between God and Jonah. Because God showed that he loved even those men on the ship with Jonah. They were pagan worshipers. They were heathen people, idolaters. Yet God loved them. And by the end of that story, after they threw Jonah off the ship, they worshiped the Lord God of heaven. And God also showed that it wasn't just about Jonah. It wasn't just about the men on that ship, but he loved that evil nation of Nineveh as well. And when Jonah preached about judgment, the city repented before God. God healed that land. And then later on, Jonah said to God, you see, this is what I knew about you. You are gracious. You are merciful. You are patient. And your love is abundant. Jonah knew that about God. And that's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh, because he knew if he did, God would heal them because he loved them. He loves all people. Brothers and sisters, we have a commission to fulfill, just like Jonah. And we are to save the lost. And we're not going to do that by making enemies or hating our enemies. It's done through love. And it's done through preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves all people. God loves the world. 
And according to Jesus, even from the beginning of time, in this verse that we just read, from the beginning of time, God ordained that the sun would shine upon all, whether they were his children or not his children. And from the beginning of time, God ordained that rainfall, it would fall upon all people, the just and the unjust. God does not discriminate. He's compassionate. He is merciful. He is gracious. He loves all. And God is calling us to be like him. This is why love is demanded, because we are to be as he is and to love as he does. This isn't anything new right here in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember in the Beatitudes, we talked about the peacemakers, those who preach peace, those who not only teach that you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ, but then as a child of God, you can learn to know what the peace of God is in your heart and in your mind. And for those who go and proclaim that peace, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And now he says that when we love our enemies, we are sons of our Father in heaven. God is a God of peace. He's the one that is offering peace to the world. And God is the God of love. And when we go and we become his ambassadors of peace and of love, all found through Jesus Christ, we are like his children, representing him in this world, sons and daughters of God. When we preach and speak and spread peace, and when we show love, agape love, we are children of God indeed. And then Jesus goes on to say, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? You know, that kind of love, it's nothing special. That's what normal human love is. So oftentimes we say, I'll love you if you'll love me in return. I'll help you if you'll help me in return. That's not God's love. God loves regardless if that love is returned. Jesus says even the tax collectors love in that way. It's not a special thing. And a tax collector of all people, maybe even worse than the Samaritans, the Jews hated tax collectors. They were working for the Roman government, a foreign government who were taxing the people. And so the, the Jews already loathed the Roman government. But then to have a tax collector working for the Roman government, taking money from the Jews, and oftentimes putting money in their own pockets in the process, tax collectors were considered the lowest of the low in society. Jesus says, well, if you think that way, just remember this. When you love only because people love you in return, those people that you despise, don't they love in the same exact way? There's nothing special about that kind of love. He goes on to say, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Even the tax collectors do that as well. If you only greet those who agree with you, who are a part of your clique or group or church or school, what is that? That's nothing special. That's human nature. That's not the child of God. My father was just sharing a story with me. He recalled when he was a, a young teenager, maybe 13 years old or so, and he went over to his friend's house. And when he went to his house and went into the room, 
he noticed that there were pictures everywhere, and it was the boy's bar mitzvah. My dad, up until that point, had no idea his friend was Jewish. But my father felt very awkward and strange inside, because the church that he attended taught him not to associate with Jewish boys, or any Jewish family for that matter. And so I said to my dad, well, what did you do? He said, I got out of there as fast as I could, and I never went back again. But you know, over the years, as several years went by, my father was in that area again, and he remembered doing that to that young boy. And so he looked up his name, found it in the, in the phone book, found the, the name and the number, and so he gave that man a call. He called them up, and of course they remembered each other. And my father said, listen, a long time ago, when we were about 13, I ran out on you, and this is why I did it. And I, want to a call, I wanted to call to apologize and ask for your forgiveness. I have learned to love. Jesus has saved me, he's changed me, and he's taught me to love. And I want you to know, I love you. And then my father even asked if he could pray for that man, and he allowed him. So my father got to pray with him over the phone, and even plant the seed of the gospel in that man's heart. When I heard that story, it makes me wonder, how many people deserve a phone call from us? How many people have we showed hatred toward for some of the silliest reasons, the most nonsensical reasons? It's time to repair the damage that we have done in our own lives against people that we assumed were our enemies. I'm sure there are a lot of people that deserve to hear, I'm sorry. God so loved the world, and Jesus died for the world. At the cross, from the very depth of Jesus' heart, He demonstrated love toward all people. And the invitation goes to all. Come and believe. Come and be saved. That is the love of God, for God so loved the world. If this is how God feels about the world, then we, his children, have no right to hate anyone. Amen. And number three, where love is directed. Jesus says in verse 48, Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Here, the word perfect is not talking about us being sinless, having sinless perfection. Instead, it means to be mature and to grow in maturity, to be complete as a Christian. It speaks of the growth we have as Christians. As we mature in our faith and we grow in our love, we become more and more like our Father in heaven. And it's not just from loving our enemies. It's based on everything Jesus just taught. This is why we don't hate people in our hearts and commit murder. This is why we don't commit adultery or fornication. This is why we don't get married and then break that bond in divorce. This is why we don't break our promises. This is why we love our enemies. Why? Because God is not a murderer. God is not an adulterer. God does not break his promises. God does not hate his enemies. And so we are called to be like Him. And when we walk in love, love directs us to be more like Him. When we love God and love all people, including those who are our enemies, that walk of love 
is directing us toward perfection until the day we see Jesus face to face. And the love of God in us, it always directs us to the lost of the world. It turns our focus upon those who need to be saved, those who need to be healed and comforted. There's a story of a man in, named Jim Elliott, American missionary. Back in 1955, Jim Elliott, along with four other men, missionaries, these five men just had a heart for the people of Ecuador. They were a people group, the Warani tribe in the deep uh, rainforest of Ecuador. Gospel had never gone there. These people had no idea of the gospel message. And so Jim Elliott and his four friends were compelled by love to do whatever they could to get into that jungle, establish a relationship of trust, and then to share the gospel of Jesus. And so they say goodbye to their wives and their families, and they began taking these trips down into the jungle by plane, dropping gifts and other things to the people just to build some trust before they actually met face to face. And finally, one day they landed and got close to the tribe, trying to interact with them, showing them that they came in peace, they came in love, and they came respecting one another. But not too long after that, the following year, 1956, one night, Jim Elliott and his four missionary friends were ambushed by the people of the tribe. And these men came out with spears and they speared all of those men to death. Those five missionaries died. And when the news was reported, it shocked the world, including the United States. Can you imagine how Elizabeth Elliott, the wife of Jim Elliott, can you imagine how she felt? And the other families and wives and children that surrounded these other men, how did they feel about what had happened? Here these men just went compelled by love to spread the gospel. And those people hated them and murdered them as a result. How do you suppose they felt? Well, some years later, Elizabeth Elliot, along with Rachel Saint, who was the sister of another one of those missionaries, the two of them went down as missionaries to the same tribe in Ecuador. They went to teach English and they went to minister and to spread the gospel of Christ. And as a result, many of those tribes people were saved by Jesus Christ. Elizabeth Elliot met the men who murdered her husband and the others, and she led them to Christ. Today, I read somewhere that that tribe in Ecuador, today, more than half of that entire tribe are Christian. But violence is no longer within that tribe. Hatred and enemies fighting against one another is no longer a part of that tribe because the gospel changed them. And when I hear that story, I think to myself, brothers and sisters, that's the kind of love that changes the world. What are you doing to demonstrate God's love to the world around you? My prayer is that God will fulfill His promise for you. He promises in Scripture that He will fill you with His love. He will pour His love into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. So we've learned today about loving our enemies, how love is displayed, by blessing, doing good, and praying for our enemies. Why love is demanded? Because God is love and we are to be like Him. And where love is directing us? To maturity to perfection in Christ, 
to be like God and then to see the world as He does and to preach the gospel and set the captives free. That's love that will change the world. Thank you for joining today. God bless you, and I'll see you next time.